All right, welcome, ladies and gents, to a bonus episode of the Tangents podcast series called Panels on Pages, and I have a very, very special guest with me, uh, Mark from Unshaven Comics. If you are a Chicago native and you've been to any convention in the last 10 years, you know about these guys. They've been around, they've been hustling, and The Samurnauts is finally out as a graphic novel, full trade paperback collection, and I just finished it the other day. So I wanted to talk about it. How you doing, Mark? Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely my pleasure. I, I was so excited to see that the book was in trade finally. I've, I've been talking to you guys for years. I remember the first time I saw one of you, you were standing up. It was like, let me tell you about my comic book. And I took the pitch, and there was no trade. And, and that was literally, I think, the first time I saw you guys was the first year I decided that I was going to stop collecting floppies. So... I was like, nah, you know what? It's, it's only going to be trades for me. So once you get a trade, that's when we'll talk. And then we, you know, we saw each other over the years. I think we actually even featured you guys in our video last year. So I was super psyched to have this as a, as a trade finally. How long? Trust me, we were. Mo- <laughs> yes. I was going to say, how long has this been? How long has the process been for, to get this out as a trade? The Dreadnoughts out as a trade. Uh, it took us six years. Wow. That's grinding, though. That's grinding. It, it was all in-house, right? You guys did, the, obviously, the writing and the art. Uh, was the coloring and all that stuff done in- in-house as well? Uh, yeah, I would say predominantly uh, that way. I mean, obviously, I'm going to give shout-outs where they are due. I did have some assistance from the most appropriately named delicious Tom Bacon, uh, who helped me wow. uh, finish the book off. But uh, beyond Tom, we also worked with uh, Wes Wong, who's also a local Chicago guy, one of the best colorists in the business. And then uh, a shout out to my main man over in Manila, uh, his, he, Michael Angelo Arbon. And he's actually a Filipino guy who uh, does most of my flatting now. And I only found him, let's just say, way too late in the process. <laughs> but uh we are never not going to use him again. So he's a, a fantastic asset to us that definitely helped us, uh, you know, uh, at this point, lurch dead across the finish line. Excellent. Excellent. Glad to hear that. Now, for those who don't know, Samurnauts is the tale of a, I don't want to call them superheroes, but it's, they're an action team. They're guardians of a city. Um, listen, the way I see it, it's it's a very, very emotional love letter to Power Rangers. And absolutely I, I think it's fantastic. I, I I think it has all the like it hits all the key elements that, that Power Rangers kind of has brought up over the years. And like even some that only real diehards care about. Like like only like diehards care about like the flashback episodes to the, the like colonial era. And the flashback episodes to the, like, cowboy era. And, like, I'm one of those guys. I sat through and I watched, uh, I think it was at the time, 16 seasons back-to-back. And I loved every moment of it. So, like, to have something like this, super psyched. It was one of those things Thanks. that... I mean, really... Go ahead. I say that, I mean, the... the... The genesis of, of this series was definitely our love letter uh, start. Well, I'll say it was a love letter to other um, Power Ranger adjacent 
groups like uh, Ronin Warriors was actually one of our oh, I heavy, heaviest on influences yet. to begin you with. Know, you got to understand, Ronin Warriors is like the one series of anime that I watched that no one knows about. That no one is like, oh yeah, totally, Ronin Warriors or even like Samurai Troopers. No one knows about that show. So for me, like, ah, uh, Kento of Hard Rock. That's ah, uh, I was <laughs> so psyched when I saw the helmets right off the bat like second page in i was like this looks familiar <laughs> we don't hide our love for that and i mean really the whole the samurai itself got started um partially as a joke so in <laughs> our uh before we did the samurai stuff we were you know in our 20s and we we had to get all of the swearing and horror stuff out of our you know karate so we right. were doing this anthology series and the very last page of our first book we had had blank and uh i figured like oh you know we'll we'll run across somebody who will buy an ad or something and of course we weren't popular no one was going to buy an ad so <laughs> at the last minute uh matt kyle and i we were doing what we normally do which was just wasting a lot of time and money at uh, baker square and um i i made a joke to them i said well we need to make a fake ad so let's come up with Especially crass sounding like if unshaven comics sells out tomorrow what is that obvious cash grab thing we're gonna do and we just started riffing and you know the whole idea is like well when matt kyle and i met uh we met in sixth grade and it was right when the power rangers came out and we were sort of on that cusp where you watch the show for the first time you're like well the giant robot stuff's cool the rest of the show's kind of dorky but the giant robot stuff's kind of cool right. And um, we sort of active on we about all of the mistakes that the villains made and like how the show, you know, it did, clearly didn't take itself seriously. So we're right. like, well, you know, one of these days. And so we, we started with that. And then, you know, one idea spits to the next and we're like, OK, well, Zordon sucks. So how do we improve Zordon? We're like, well, you got a, a splinter type guy. But instead of being like stuck in, uh, you know, in limbo, maybe splinter fights with them and then of course like matt it was mo probably matt rat it's got to be a monkey because monkeys are way cooler right. and we're like yep done sold and then uh, kyle was like he should be immortal i was like yes yes keep it going nice. and like we just started spitballing and the next thing we know we said well they need something to fight and we were thinking about all of the traditional villains so obviously thinking more towards the 80s we're like well you know if you you run kind of like a cobra thing or uh, some kind of big army. And I was like, now nah, that doesn't feel right. Like, you know, something more like the Decepticons where it's got to be like one big guy and then a bunch of lieutenants, but not robots. And then uh, somewhere we ended up with transforming demon dinosaurs from another dimension. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, so we, we threw all of that together. We made a fake ad. And at the bottom of the ad, we put coming the summer of 2020. Wink, wink to our fans like, no, we're hardcore and we're going to do all of these rated R turn your you know turn your expectations upside down stories and uh what ends up happening is we do one horror book we do one rated r and then it's time for the third book and right around the time we're coming up with what to do um knew we were going to be fathers and uh we're having another one of those spitball sessions and i'm staring at the back of that ad and the problem we'd run into is the first book was written by Kyle. 
the second book was written by me and I had not yet done interior work. And I was talking about doing the third book and Matt was like, well, I want to turn, I want to write a story. And I was like, we have to balance this. He looked at me and again, Matt's a much bigger, angrier guy than I am. So he just do split the art, man. Let's just do that. And I was like, okay. So we were sitting around like, well, how do we make one story that splits an artist's duty and that's when you know it just hit me i'm like well you know we did that samarnath's fake ad i'm like he's an immortal kung fu monkey if i did the future because all my were clean and like and if you matt did all of the the flashbacks because he's analog he does a lot of paint stuff i was like that might work and you know basically at that point as we've long said to one another in a not so joking way we're like uh writes it's one idea and next thing we know we're like well this is much easier for me to write and draw my half and then Kyle and Matt's flashbacks and try to tie it together and we did that first book and uh the the audience loved it so much that we we came back after we had transforming demon dinosaurs uh you know maybe we should take the idea seriously uh, somebody started throwing out like this is right when the walking dead was coming out and we're like well zombies are kind of the thing but none of us wanted to do you know brain eating zombies sure. matt loves voodoo zombies so he's like well we should do it, zombies and i was like that's not enough like you gotta start stacking what what else can we do and then kyle's like well no one's doing pirates we're like okay so zombie pirates I'm like well that's pirates of the caribbean that's been done and then we're like, yeah, but what if they're cyber uh, ha, or space pirates? Cyber now it writes itself. Yep. Put that all together. Uh, we, we in 2011 we decided this Curse of the Dreadnought series. Like I said, it took the better part of six years of production for us to get through it because uh, each issue longer because uh, Matt and I would lose, would lose page count or we would be in the middle of something or something that we wanted to do. And we're like, well, anybody, like if the first issue was <clears throat> 24 pages, we're like, let, let's do 36. Cause that gives Matt and I each 18 pages to kind of, you know, fudge around. And right. um, then three, we started coming up with ways for Matt and I to combine our artwork. And we're like, okay, there was like a nightmare sequence. So we did that. And then, uh, um, then we got to the fourth book and Matt and I are sitting at the planning stage and I was like, uh, this whole thing in a, uh, in a giant robot battle. I'm like, we, we gotta, we gotta let people enjoy that. That's gotta breathe. So last thing we found out is the, the, the fourth book in the series, instead of being 36 pages, ended up being 52. Jeez. <laughs> so that's sort of what kind of tripped us up like is trying weird, to finish. It, it felt when I was reading it, it felt like a weird page count it feels thicker <laughs> we um after we finished that fourth book it we came out at dragon con last year and um at that point it was just basically uh shine the bat signal in the sky call every favor from every friend we had and said let's uh make this a trade and then matt and kyle went away and they just let me toil in the dungeon until it was done <laughs> well i think it's it's a fantastic book just the the random turns like i said i think there's a little bit of everything I think there's just all these really cool callbacks to to concepts from 
like you said, Ronin Warriors, which that, that that blew me away. Like like I said, I the the flashback sequence, the 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 helmets in the present. I was like, eh, whatever. And then what actually did it for me is when like this scene right here. I don't know if you're watching it right now, but the scene where uh, oh yeah, uh, where and I I don't know the names yet. <laughs> uh, was it Rafe? Rafe's the blue. Yeah. Uh, when Rafe cuts the the pirate at the beginning, I'm like, I've seen that weapon before, and then like it all kind of just came together for me when it flashed back to the to the like feudal Japan, and I was like, oh my goodness, it's the freaking Ronin Warriors! I'm like, I love that because that's that like I said, that's one of my favorite favorite animes of all time. So like, just and and the art by the way is really really cool. I love the the like clear difference between time periods um and, but you can even see like in moments like this where you have like you said you're more cleaner style for the future but then we close up here to show the dreadnoughts logo and then it, it cuts back to kind of more of a more painted style but even then that, that close-up is becomes more detailed more more painterly so then it kind of has that flashback kind of transition like you would in a movie or a tv show just... Yeah, and that's that's definitely what we were going for. Is I mean the the whole concept, the the Samurai Genesis issue, um, it, it in and of itself was meant to be tongue in cheek. Uh, it, our framing device in that in that series called the the White, uh, you basically were following sort of like a Rod Serling character through a Twilight Zone, but instead of being like a buttoned up white dude, this is just like kind of a stoner slacker type character who is pretty sure he's just tripping. But uh, we're not sure about that. So the whole idea is that he remembers the Samurnauts as a TV show. And he just, instead of actually going into like, uh, you know, a Twilight Zone parallel dimension story, he basically just uh, uh, casts his magic to build himself a TV and couch and just watches the quote lost episode of the Samurnauts. So we, we, uh, we definitely... Uh, built the series kind of around our love of those series, especially like Ronin Warriors and the Power Rangers. Um, obviously, we we hear a lot from the people that go, oh, you know, this is just the Monkey King. And um, uh, every now and again, they go, oh, what about that uh, super hyper Monkey Force Go? And we're like, yeah, well, there's a monkey in this, but it has nothing to do with that. But oh, I remember that. I actually, like, I, I haven't thought about that in years. About the deep cuts. Um, and then, like, I know for me personally, uh, I have a huge love for Exo Force or I'm, I'm sorry, Exo Squad, uh, yes. which... Oh my god, uh, you are speaking my language. <laughs> one part of this book that we have not yet uh, explored, but uh, trust me, there's plenty more to come, and I'm sure we're going to do some kind of E-frame-esque uh, device as soon as I can figure out a way to uh, appropriate that tech myself and <laughs> figure out a way to draw it. Um, you know, that's we get one close. Of my like the moments in the book, by the way, is when when Sora quits, which is like another classic moment for any team-based book, where you have a, a character who's distrustful of the leader. I, I love the. It's like you know, it's like a cliche moment, but it's it's done in such a way where it's like, I quit. By the way, I'm still gonna go do this thing we were gonna do anyway. Like, yeah, I mean, it's I, I enjoy. Yeah, definitely the trope of the, you know, he's our hooker with the heart of gold. And, uh, you know, he's got reasons which honestly aren't unfound at the time. Uh, the, the whole right. impetus of that first issue is that that this one dreadnought scout 
basically pants the entire squad. Yep. And, you know, in his mind, uh, Master Al, of all the things he's taught them, he never taught them or told them about this enemy that they never faced. And he recalls, you know, vaguely being told by his father not to trust the monkey. What does that mean? So, yeah, he he plays the hooker, the Raphael, and he and he quits. And of course, on his way out, he steals the production Samur cycle, um, uh, which, of course, like there was no way we were going to like have a scene of him being all, uh, you know, introspective. So like I, I tried to wrap that into the uh, the framing of that second issue. And then like almost immediately he's attacked. So we, we have to jump into uh, transforming sequences. And, uh, you know, th- trust me, that that still stands out as one of my favorite, uh, like cold opens to do is like take a Samurai, take him out of his armor, put him into new armor, which is even cooler which of course led us like mid like you know it would be cool can we just give them completely new suits <laughs> and we ended up changing the samurai costume by the end of issue three <laughs> and that's and i i really like that approach and it, it it again it calls back to a lot of really cool things that i i loved about power various power Ranger seasons uh but like the what are they always called battleizers Whenever somebody mm-hmm. got a battleizer of some sort, everyone got ridiculous armor. And I'm just like, why was this not out, like, day one? Let's just mop the floor with the bad guys. Right off the bat, maybe they'll leave just by show of force. Like, I always thought it was like, can we can we just use the cool stuff now? And that's why I like, like the powers on the armor. Welcome, VIP King. How you doing? The powers on the armor are super, super cool. Like, the, the Green Lantern-esque hands to fight with. Fantastic. Yeah, and that's obviously that's my my love. My favorite superhero clearly is Green Lantern, and I absolutely had to have some kind of fun scene where I could uh, take advantage of that. So I, I uh, especially, you know, basically if if you're if you're your own writer in this case, I can just write myself what I want to do. So that was especially one of those moments where I was like, I need giant construct hands. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Uh, I love. A, I love that the story completes itself. It's one complete arc, uh, something that a lot of, I don't want to say a lot. I would say there are notable numbers of indie creators that will put out a, a trade of their first four issues or whatever, and somehow that's not a complete arc. And then I'm sitting there with like a face, with a face on my face, like, hmm, like now you're just trying to get money out of me because. Uh, I would have liked to have the whole story and not be at a to be continued. But, sure. You know. And I mean, we, and obviously we know like, there's no way if, if we were putting out books with, let's say better regularity, maybe we would have expanded or, or let things go in that manner. But we, we know our strengths and weaknesses. And we definitely said with this concept with curse, it was a four issue miniseries that we felt like we could put together a solid story um, and this one definitely, I mean, it's when you put the tray together, it's 200 pages. So there's plenty of content yeah, it's, there. It's, it's a hefty one. It's, bam. And we know uh, the the next three Samurai stories, which we're all working on at the same time, each one of those installments will be a one and done, and they'll be about 72 pages. Oh, like we're, we're trying to keep. Basically, we're going to do, uh, I, I call it prestige format. Uh, DC used to release these things sort of like 80-page giants, but they had sort of a, a nicer, thicker, like almost a trade-quality cover sure, stock. Sure. No, I, I understand. P.F., actually, to the book I 
I, I, on Wednesdays, I do my comic book show in the mornings, usually. Uh, so, like, I did a uh, prestige format book, Etheric Mechanics by Warren Ellis. Great read, by the way, if you want to have a fun read. But, no, I completely understand. I, I, I like those books because that, to me, it kind of bridges that gap. Like, this, to me, is not a floppy. It's shelvable. There's just more options to it as far as... And, and it, it gives you a little bit nicer of an experience, for sure. But, yeah, if it's if it's a one-and-done, that's going to be fantastic. And that's... Because that's the the impetus coming out of this, and again, I mean, I I have no qualms about being spoilerific about this. Uh, I mean, suffice to say that uh, we create um, a lot of world building in this trade, and we yes. are uh, we're triggering our inner Robert Kirkman when we say, "Hey, is there some foothold that we can now spark off of?" And we said, "Well, yeah." The the fact is, like one of the big uh, secrets to this book, and I won't get into the actual secret part of it, but basically the Samurnauts of, of the 1850s lose the purple Samurnaut for reasons undisclosed. And with him gone, there is no getting him back. And the way we sort of explain that is say, like, now uh, Master Al, the immortal Kung Fu monkey, um, what happened after that? Did he decide to train more teams? In his mind, he just lost a chunk of this mysterious energy that powers the Samurnauts to begin with. Right. And while he could manifest more, Master, having led, and by this point, let's just be honest, buried many teams over the course of many, many years, he essentially, after that team disbands, decides that uh, he's not going to train any permanent teams anymore. And he sort of enters the Kane Kung Fu walk the earth mentality. And he's basically just going to go out into the world. And <laughs> when the evil of the world demands the Samurnauts return, he deputizes a pop-up team. They solve the problem. He then takes the power back and he moves on to the next adventure and the next time. So, um, I like that a lot. running through. So reminds me, uh, it reminds me of the, um, like, I think it was called secret defenders for Marvel in the nineties where Dr. Strange was kind of like, uh, some stuff's going on. I need X, Y, Z people. Let's go two, three issues. All right. Thanks guys. See you next time. <laughs> totally. It's, it's riffing on stuff like that. In our case, the next three books, um, the first one, which Kyle's working on, um, doesn't follow that timeline per se. It actually plugs in as our second ever team of Samurnauts that um, fight what we would consider to be sort of the the biggest bad of the groups. Like in our minds, the Dreadnoughts are awesome, but they are basically a satellite villain. The main villain are those transforming demon dinosaurs, and um, okay, uh, which we're titling the Rage of Rep Simeon. Essentially the Onisaurus clan, those interdimensional transforming demon dinosaurs, okay. uh, use their evil science to marry their dino DNA with a rabid monkey that we met, that you actually meet inside the um, Samurnauts Genesis, which is the, the secret origin. Basically, uh, they mutate him into a simian lizard hybrid creature. And it's going to be him against okay. the second ever Samurnauts team. So that'll be one story. And then um, Matt is going to be handling a 1920s Mexico City-based Luchanots story. Yes, that's amazing. 
be tackling the all-girl Samurnaut squad of the 1980s in a book we're entitling Samurnauts to the Max. I like it. I like that. That's and in very, that book, very period uh, appropriate. Is it's uh, my love letter to Glow, basically, and uh, I'm going to have them face a communist hive mind femme fatale squad. Nice. Fun. <laughs> that'll be uh the next three things that we're working basically we're we're holding each other accountable and uh in essence creating a contest that kyle will win because we actually have to pay an outside artist for the first time to work but um in that case it makes sense matt's got his story i've got mine kyle has written the rage of rep Simeon, and we obviously would like to have all three of these stories sort of come out depending largely on how fast or slow matt and i work we'll we'll choose what to do i i think we personally enjoy doing the trade now that we've had, had a couple of cons with the trade instead of just the floppies. Mm -hmm. And I know selling it exactly like you wanted to buy it. I'd rather have sell it to somebody who wants one and done um, because trust me, I, you know, it's one of those things you triggered in me many memories of uh, you running past us at every con, every C2E2 <laughs> and you just walk by trade. Nope. Okay. And we're like, yep, there, you know, and you weren't alone. So we know that um, the way to go for us and, uh, you know, part of our evil machinations with this as a brand is just to be able to show, like, stories, so many different genres that you can bounce between with this team action setup. And so long as you have that through line with the monkey, you've got something fun. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like the concept. It could be like uh, Samurai's Archives or something like that. I don't know. I'm just throwing out ideas. Uh, I'll take, uh, you know... A quarter percent publishing on that <laughs> um no but that would be like i would love like and that's the kind of thing where it, it's you know you have your established universe with this book and then if you know if i put another book next to it even though it's kind of takes place in between certain chapters and certain pages of this it still kind of builds out that universe and makes makes that whole whole complete story i mean some of some of the best you know if we go to like mainstream some of the best x-men stories are stories that are told of stuff that happened between other things and behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff. So no, I, I really, really like that concept. And even if you, if you have, you know, you have the book, big book and then you say, if you like the eighties, here's the eighties book and, you know, nice shovelable prestige format as well. You know, you give people mm -hmm. that option. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's sort of what we ultimately envision represent is that um, obviously we, we hope that we gain a core group of fans that will buy anything that has Samurnauts on it because they know that it's going to be a great team action adventure of a particular period in time. Uh, but if not, like that's definitely something. So somebody looking, excuse me, for something that is absolutely unrelated to Cape and Cowell super heroics might really be enticed by a luchador story. Or for those people that are definitely fans of more of like a Samurai Jack, they might enjoy the Rage of Rep Simeon. And then for mine, clearly like the the throwback vibe, the, the hipster vibe. And then uh, especially for us, like we do have some great fans who are run the gamut of all different ages, all gender. Um, but especially I love to, to have a book where we can say, hey, look, you know, rather than just throw a bone and try to balance a team out between men and women, black and white, whatever, here's a whole group of, of badass women that are going to go out there and they're going to uh, be deputized by master al 
and uh, they're going to do some really cool stuff, and they're going to face all female villains. So it, it is sort of a wink and a nudge at like the Sailor Moon type stuff, but we're you know it's going to be decidedly no cheesecake, just really good action adventure. Uh, where I get to lean into all of my favorite 80s tropes. I literally have a bulleted list of nice. things that need to happen in the book. So nice. I'm not kidding when I tell you Master Al will totally be driving a badass, like, uh, A-team style van. Yes. Yes, I like it. And that's that's the other cool thing is you have the, the – and what one of the biggest things that I like about this is that all of their, their weaponry is – it's not driven by their quote-unquote morphing grid. It's uh, – it's driven by it's driven by the the technology and the innovation of of one of the members. So like everything is made by them, and that that like there was there was one season of Power Rangers where it was like technically Turbo all the Turbo stuff was built by the Rangers, which I thought well, I always thought was the coolest thing. And as I say we we know that Master Al basically has built the weapons himself because he infuses some of that uh, you know Samur Force energy or what have you. Right. Um, into those things but the the weapons themselves usually serve the the greater good of the the actual sam are not using it so um we know like uh purple and green sam typically are your more close-up fighters so you'll never see like a purple sam with like a bow and arrow you're definitely going to see them with you know hammer fists or uh bucklers on their on their gauntlets or something like that and then uh you know, we, we try to stick hopefully towards like similar style of weapon and um actually one thing i want to sort of explore i think for uh Samurai to the max is i remember that first season power rangers where you know they had their their big plastic weapons but they also carried a sidearm yes <laughs> And uh, people dagger, tend to forget that part. Random dagger. Right. Sidearm to dagger. <laughs> and I, uh, I like that idea. So I might figure out a way to, because uh, again, the thing is like, if like you're going to deputize. Weapon. Like a legacy weapon that they all get. Huh? Especially like if he's imbuing people with the, the Samurai energy, um, especially if it's a pop-up team. Um, obviously let's say that you are a great fighter and you're getting this, influx of energy right. you're going to be an even better fighter but what if he's deputized you because you have the right heart but you've never thrown a punch in your life right. well we got to figure out something to do for them and luckily i have a slight obsession slash problem with nerf guns so uh we typically use those as reference points to try to create stuff so i'm i'm probably going to be debuting some kind of cable-esque gun because I definitely have uh, one of the characters, one of the Samurnauts of the 1980s. She is um, sort of like a pop star, like Jem. Nice. Uh, but there's like no combat training whatsoever. Right. So it's just sort of like, hey, you know, you you inspire people, you you cause that, and that is that is worthy of being deputized as a Samurnaut. And you know, as something is attacking her, she's like, what do I do? And then you know, next thing you know, smash cut, she's got some kind of giant 14 barreled bazooka thing. Um fun to draw. So nice. Fantastic. Well I don't want to keep you too long. Thank you so much for for jumping on and giving us some insight into the future of the Samurnauts and uh, and talking about the book. Uh, by the way, anyone watching, anyone listening or watching in the future, make sure you guys check out Unshaven Comics, Samurnauts. Uh, is it just unshavencomics.com? 
that is now. So if you guys just go to unshavencomics.com or you could even join us on our Facebook group, uh, which is just uh, facebook.com slash unshavencomics. We usually post a couple times a day. Uh, we usually have some pretty funny questions, and especially on Saturdays when we do unpopular opinion Saturdays, which are just amazing times to get into nerd rage fights, which we uh, love to stoke the fires on. For sure, for sure. All right, well, Mark, thank you again for hanging out. Thank you, uh, VIP King, for watching. And uh, anyone listening or watching in the future, make sure you guys check out the links in the description below. Uh, everything is going to be linked so you guys can have quick access to it. Thanks for watching. We'll see you in the next one.